don't let the intimidation stop you. Like it, it's easier than you think. So like, just try it and just dip your toes in the water. You've got to jump all in. Yeah. Like every motivational speaker and podcast says like, you just got to get out and do it. And so once you start making those changes, it's, it's, it'll change your life. And right now you might be like, forget that. But deep down, if you know that you need to make some changes, like today's the day, just do it. back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. That is the voice of our guest this week, Jack Lander. If you listen to episode 60 back in October with our guest at the time, Josh Kuntz, he references a mutual friend that he and I have that he felt like would be a great podcast guest. And he was 100% right. We'd already had Jack planned to be on the podcast, but Jack and I couldn't make it work out until the fall. And this is the outcome of that podcast. As is the goal always with Valley to Peak, is to have people share their story so that you might hear something that they've done that might help you. And it doesn't have to necessarily mean that you guys have the same goals, but there's all sorts of strategies, usually around mindset, nutrition, training, etc. And as always, Jack delivers. So without further ado, here's Jack Lander's story as he talks about how he's come to lose 80 plus pounds, get into ultra running, and some lessons he's learned along the way. So introduce yourself, man. Anything that you want to, you know, people to know about you, what your name is, where you are, what you enjoy doing, what you do for work, kids, life, family, and then we'll kind of jump into I'm actually I'm actually glad that we we were gonna do this earlier and some scheduling things came up and weren't able to do it. I'm glad we're doing it now and we'll kinda talk about that because we'll throw some death hike stuff in there. But I'd love for you just to kind of introduce who you are and where you're from and what you do. Yeah, it was Jack. Like we talked about earlier, I'm a counselor. I work primarily with kids and young adults. I see all ages, but like 95% of my clients are 20 and under. I've been doing that for like three years and it's been quite the, the journey. So I, yeah, I was working part-time and then trying to build my practice. And then about a year ago, I went full-time in the practice. And then in September, I got licensed. So it's been like that was a long journey. It took three years. I had to do 20, 2,400 direct hours with clients. And so, yeah, it felt good to get like that achievement. And that's kind of where I'm at now is like in that limbo, starting to work with insurance companies. And now it'll be really cool to watch my practice grow. And so that's kind of been my, on the work side of things, that's what's been going on the last few years. I've got two children. I got a two and a half year old boy and then a five month old daughter. And She's a peach. She's like the easiest kid in the world. The only time she fusses is when she's hungry. And so it's like super lucky. So then back to the third kid, Katie looks at me. She's like, are you sure you don't want a third kid? And I'm like, yeah, because number three won't be this easy. Like we got to just enjoy what we got. Yeah, that's kind of my work and family life. We live over in Salem. So over in the valley. Um, I grew up on the coast though. And so I'm a coast boy at heart. But Boise's been pretty appealing. Every time I come over and visit you or my friends over there, I'm just like, dude, I could live here. It's a pretty cool place. Yeah, your uh, your Strava account is always how I know when you've been here and didn't didn't look us up for dinner or whatever because I see the trails. I'm like, that dude is out here again. But to in your defense, there you you always have like a full. You're always here for a reason, right? You're not like just coming over for leisure. I think 
I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the 24 hours of supervised practice that you had to complete, but I think that's a great jump off point because fast forward the, the day that we met around that campfire to now, let's call it, I think it was four years, potentially even longer. You have made a number of life changes and I don't want to dive into that quite yet, but can you talk about how much weight you've lost in a certain number of years? Yeah, I think in about two and a half years, I've lost about 80 pounds. Um, yeah. In the last six months, I've been pretty, what do you call it? Lazy. Well, I'd say lazy, but I've just been enjoying what I like. I've just been enjoying training. And so I've, I've tapered out. I've still got some more weight to lose, but I haven't been focused on that for a while. And it's easy. It's easy to think like the easiest thing for me to do as a host or whatever you want to talk, call it is like, okay, have Jack on, have him talk about his weight loss. That's what the nutrition program is about. But I don't like that. Number one, that's predictable. Nobody wants to listen to that. (laughs) But number two, the most profound thing about your journey, I guess, if you want to call it that from when we met around the fire to now, and you and I've talked so much throughout that is the space between your ears, right? All of the mental stuff that goes with that, which I think is also indicative of what it takes to get through three years of getting licensed, 2,400 hours of supervised practice, working part-time, you know, doing your own side thing, as well as working for all of the different counseling programs that you were working through in the time that we've known each other. A good place to start, and this is a really, I guess, a big question, but what flipped in your head, you know, two years ago from when I had met you five years ago in that three year span, what was that thing that was like, I got to start doing something different? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think if I remember right, I think I had my son when we were on that bear hunt. And that's really what kind of clicked for me was when, when I had my kid. Yeah. Like being heavy kind of runs in my family. And like, it's, it's real easy to, to just make it, make excuses and, and just whether it's work stress or life stress, all kinds of stuff. Right. And so I always just thought like, Oh, I'm just going to be fat forever. And so once we, I mean, I spent most of my twenties, like in college, I'd lost some weight and I was also an athlete all through college. And then once I stopped sports, like I just kept eating the same, didn't know anything about nutrition. So I ended up gaining like a hundred pounds out of college. And I rode, I was that heavy for probably like four or five years total. And then, yeah, I met you. We had my son and things just really started to click that it was like, you know, like I can make this change. And like, I know I have the willpower, so I just have to find it. And so I really just did some soul searching and I decided like, I don't want to be this fat dad that can't keep up with my kids. And there, there was one big moment too, that really spoke out to me in my life. And that was, I was hanging out at my hunting buddy's house, Jeff, we were playing tag with his kids and his kids are just, I mean, you know, four or five year olds are just full of life. They can run for hours and hours and hours. And they're chasing me in circles. We're playing tag around the house and maybe for like 10 minutes. And I was just like sucking wind, couldn't breathe, had to take a break. I'm sweating. And I was like, all right, guys, give me a minute. I got to take a break. And Jeff looked at me. He's like, come on, Jack. And so like that moment has stuck with me for a long time. And that was probably five, six, seven years ago. And 
once and transfer uh, fast forward when I had my son, I remembered that moment and I thought, I want my kid to be out of breath. I don't want to be out of breath when I play with my son. And so that was kind of the really the big mental switch that was like, okay, I can I can do this. So I started talking with you a bunch and just really I found something I enjoyed and that was running. And so and it was easy and cheap. I didn't have to go buy a gym membership. I just knew that's how I lost a lot of my weight the first time was I just ran. And a lot of people are like, dude, you need to go lift weights. You need to do sprints. Like running's the worst way to lose weight. And I'm like, yeah, it might be, but I enjoy it and it's easy. So really dove headfirst into that and just kind of stuck with it. So you had this, you had this sort of like, uh, this is very cliche, so I'm apprehensive to even say aha moment, but you had Cal and you realized, all right, like I, I need to make some change was there anything in that? And, and maybe the answer to this is no, you, you weren't this strategic about it. And that's all right. Because sometimes that is the best solution is like you just dive in and you figure it out versus having some sort of a game plan. To have Cal, you realize, all right, I don't want to be the guy that's unable to chase his kids around without getting winded. Was there a single thing that you committed to first where you were like, all right, as 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 step one in this, whatever it looks like, I'm just going to start by blank. Yeah. Uh, it was running. Yeah. I just, I remember I just said like, okay, you got to do something. And that's funny. I loved running in college, but there was like an eight year window where I hated it. And I was like, screw running. It's terrible. There's nothing fun about it. Like, and I remember that first day, like I put my shoes on and went for a run. And I think I did like maybe a mile and a half. I think I walked half of it. <laughs> it was just like, this is BS. I hate this. Like, what did I do to myself? Why did I get out of shape? All the things, right? But it was that. I was like, okay, I need to run three or four days a week. So I just told myself to keep running. And that's what I did. Yeah. So that was the one thing I really committed to was just getting out and doing it no matter what. So simultaneous to that, you started changing your eating habits too. What, what did that one look like? Yeah, that looked like mostly just talking to you because I, I didn't even know what a calorie was. Like I knew, obviously I'm like, okay, 2000 calorie diet. But in my mind, I was like, I didn't know the, how calories worked. I didn't know how many calories you should have for how much you weigh, things like that. So in the past, I literally would just say like, oh, I'm going to quit having sugar. And now it's like, oh, well, that was just a, enough of a calorie deficit that I lost weight, but I didn't know why. And so once I started talking to you and learning how calories worked, and how our bodies function. And you gave, you're like, Jack, it's easy. If you have 10 calories per pound of body weight, you're going to lose weight. And so I just have stuck to that. Whenever I've been serious about it, I just keep track. I write everything down and I'm like, all right, 10 calories per pound. And when I stick to it, it just slow and steady the weight just drops. So that was a big one was just learning, learning the basics of nutrition. Tell me how running spiraled out of control for you <laughs> meaning like going from running three to four miles to 34 plus miles what did that progression look like and and how long did it take for you to go from all right i'm going to utilize this thing as a tool of like because you start and i think a lot of people are like this you viewed it as drudgery right you put on you laced up your shoes that day you went out for you know one and three quarters of a mile you walk half of it so you're walking 0.75 or whatever it ends up being 
when did the transition go from I'm using this as a you use this word a little bit ago and uh, maybe no one caught on to it maybe they did but when did it go from I'm using this as this tool of moving my weight and something I hate to training now this is something I love and what compels me to get out of bed and lace up my shoes is not moving the weight but training for something different what did it look like to go from from that into enjoying it it probably took me like four to six weeks of like hating getting out of bed to go run. And yeah, after that, like four to six week window, it slowly started like, oh, I'd like to go run today. And I just, if I didn't run, I'd feel off. And even if it was only for a couple miles. And so that started to feel good. And then after a while, it was probably, probably about six months or so. It went from like, okay, this is the tool I'm using for weight loss. Like I should probably do something with this. So I signed up for a half marathon with my buddy. And then that's what I trained for was a half marathon. And I remember picking your brain about that too. And so I got those gummy bears and I'm like, I have no clue how long this race is going to take me. And in my mind, 13 miles was like a, a crazy amount. And now it's like, that's every Saturday, right? Like it's a piece of cake. But at the time I was like, there's no way, like this is insane. Like Kyle, what should I do for fuel? And you're like, ah, oh, you should probably try this many this many grams of gummy bears every hour. Well, it's also the Pacific Northwest, so it's raining. It's probably forty degrees out, so these gummy bears are rock solid. And I'm trying to eat them as I'm running, but I'm like sucking down chunks of gummy bear. I'm choking. I'm spitting them up and coughing. And when I got done with that race, I was like, I gotta find a better fuel source <laughs> when I'm running. But yeah, that was it. I just decided that I wanted to run that marathon or that half marathon. And I remember getting done with that. And it was like, my mind was blown that I could do something like that. It was really cool. And I started looking at some more races after that. My friends were like, Hey, we're going to run this marathon in May. You should run it. And at the time I was like, there's no way it's like that's 26 miles. That's crazy. And then after about two or three days, I was like, Oh yeah, I need to do that. So I signed up for a local marathon and ran that. It was really cool. Experienced some highs and lows. Remember at one point, like I was basically walking, but I was like, I'm not going to walk. I'm going to run the whole thing, but I was moving really slow. And then got to come out of that, get the high, finish the race. It was really cool. Went through a couple of days and then was kind of hooked. I was like, I need to find another one. So I was looking for some more marathons to run. And then I stumbled across some trail running and like these big ultras and then i found this 50 mile race and i was like oh my gosh like that's it and it's kind of i don't know if it's my my I guess my personality is to like go all in if you're gonna do something and so instead of like yeah finding a local 50k or something or just trying something easy i was just like yep yeah, i'm gonna do a 50 miler and i'm still like 285 pounds that's huge and so yeah just dove head first in ultra running. And like it, I failed, well, I DNF my first couple 50 milers and then ran a 50K, finished that. And then, yeah, this last year I've ran probably four or five races. I ran a 50 miler, a couple 50Ks, and then I tried a 100 miler and only made it, I made it like 57 miles. Then I was just too slow, missed the cutoff. But so I've got, I've got two questions based off that. Yeah. So, you like rewind you run this 1.5 mile loop around your house or whatever you start you know you start 
transitioning from this thing that's helping you to lose weight to this passion that you've got in like as little time as, as four to five weeks, you get some friends invite you to do something that you really had never done between the half and then the full in your mind are, is there any part of you that is a little apprehensive or intimidated by the distance, like having done stuff that you've not necessarily done before and being uncertain on how the outcome is going to be. Yeah. I'd say there's a little bit just because it's a lot of time on your feet. At the time I thought running for two and a half hours was like a long time. And so I was a little intimidated, but mostly I was like, okay, I just need to train for this. And so it was that extra motivation to get me out the door in the mornings because I've done races before, like in college or after college, like I would sign up for some really easy races, maybe like five K's and I would go out way too hard and I would bonk. And I was like, Oh, it's cause I haven't been training. And so I just knew like in the past, because of past failures that if I was going to do this, I needed to train for it. And so it was a little, a little intimidating, but mostly just like a good a good reason for me to get out and keep doing what I was doing. Cause I had a goal now. And so I had something to work towards. I, and I think that that's a good, I think there's two things that are excellent in what you're saying. So number one, like a lot of times whenever someone reaches out for Valley to peak and we have that first phone call, like very little of it is about actual business and, and outlining the program. A lot of it is about things that they've tried or experiences they've had, which is great. I love it. I get to meet people all over the place and, and talk about things that they're interested in. But the, like one thing that I've pulled from that is that most of us are under the assumption that people who take on these hard things like you doing the ultra, doing the death hike, doing whatever, these things that are seemingly like, oh my God, I could never do that. The perception is, is that everyone who signs up for stuff like this is confident they'll nail it. And then they think, well, I don't have that in me, so I'm going to avoid it. And it's not true. And I know that because I'm I'm fortunate to know guys like you and you know, Corey and all of those guys that we were talking about earlier, most of those guys are uncertain what the outcome is going to be, right? They, they just sign up and it's, and then it becomes, and this is the second part that I think is important to remember about what you said, then it becomes a matter of training for it, right? Waking up and preparing yourself for it and the body will adjust to that. And the third part you didn't really say, but I know that this is a part of the way you think too, because we've talked about this you kind of just go figure it out. You know, like you wake up, you go out there, you start. And then we'll talk about this with the death hike. I want to come back to this because that's, that, that is a perfect kind of explanation of what happened on 2023 death hike with you and, and uh, Jeff and a couple other guys, which is great by the way. But I think that that third thing is you just go and figure it out. And what ends up being so intimidating is often just in your head. It's like the, the, the potential what ifs and, when you go and you just figure it out, it's you find, or at least I've found, and you'll probably say this of you too, you're able to rise to whatever the occasion is. And that sounds very like, you know, gladiator maximus 300 ish, but that's, that's not that. It's just that whatever, whatever the obstacle is that's demanding of you, you'll figure it out because you have to. Yeah. Well, and to your point too, about what keeps people from wanting to do something is because of the intimidation factor. And the, I think the fear of failure, like that. So that first race I ran, I had no clue what kind of mileage I should have been running. I didn't have a time. I was very overweight and, but I just knew I wanted to do it. Right. And so I signed up for it 
And long story short, ended up taking a wrong turn and ended up running the 50K course, which was mostly part of the 50 mile course. And so I missed the cutoffs for the 50 miler. And so I ended up finishing that 50K. So like there was some cool things in that. Like I still got credit for my first ultra, but it wasn't what I had set out to do, right? So there was a lot of disappointment. I remember once I realized I was gonna miss the cutoff, I like started crying. I'm on the trail. I'm like 20, 25, probably 22 miles in. And I called my wife and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna be done way earlier. And I like started tearing up, right? And to your point of like, not wanting to start something because you don't know if you can finish. Like I was really bummed, but I, the fact that I finished it, like that was one thing that felt really good. And then I think I'd also had it on such a high pedestal of like, wow, this will be incredible if I can do this, this big feat. And I just learned so much from that experience, failed the next one, continued to learn. And the biggest lesson I learned is like, you just need to keep working. Like you need to work harder and you'll keep getting better. Like if you just keep showing up, you're going to improve. And now like what was such a, in my mind, like was going to be one of like biggest moments in my life as far as like physical accolades. Now it's just a it's like, it's just something that you just do. And so it's cool. Like over time, this consistency still doing similar things were a year and a half ago like I was failing, now I'm able to see that progress and and like I'm finishing these races, which is really cool. And so also to your point, like you just, you learn, you figure it out. And so I've just, it's been a big journey and I've learned so much in that couple of years where like that first race, now I laugh at what I was doing for fuel and for training because I'm like, oh yeah, I had no idea. And so just, I guess I say that just to be encouraging if people are wanting to get out and do something, it's okay. And like, don't, don't let that fear of failure keep you from doing it because you're going to look back. And if you do fail, you're going to learn so much from it and you'll get to apply that to the next race or event or hunt that you do. Yeah. I love that. It's, it is a, like I would say it is a very iterative process. And, and the thing that I love the most about you and like I'm just uh, Josh Coons. We had him on a little while ago, like last the podcast released most recently. I don't know, but he was like Jack was one of my number one supporters and motivators to do this, and his story is phenomenal. And that's why, like, I I, wa- I wanted to be sure even before that you and I had already had this scheduled before he made that comment. But he's right, and that's why. And I think it's a very iterative process. And that's one of the things I admire the most about you is because I knew about all those failures. And then you and I would keep talking and you're like, you know, you'd send me a message that afternoon. Like, dude, I signed up for a 600 miler in June. I'm stoked. And you know, you just like DNF your 30 K. And I was like, that's a, that's amazing. That type of mentality, because truly like, even if you didn't hypothetically speaking, do the 600 miler, you don't stop. And I think that that's iterative. And Nick Baird, who's, you know, you can look up on YouTube if you want to, he's got a phrase that I just love, which he says, it's better to be consistently good than occasionally great, which I guess his coach kind of told him. And that's, that's so true. And the, you know, in in a day and age where everybody in their grandmother seems to be promoting staying mentally hard, that can look so different for so many people. Right. And I, I think that, the important thing is to remember, and this has been my experience, and I think that 
you might, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but we both came from a similar background where we had been heavy and we lost the weight and we sort of got into exercise, not we got into exercise as a method to lose the weight, but then fell in love with it, found out that we'd enjoyed it because we just, you know, sort of kept going. But I'll say this too, this, this idea of being consistent and continually trying and continually giving your all regardless of the outcome, fail, pass or, or, or tie. It's like a muscle. Number one, you're not, I wasn't born with it. It doesn't sound like you were maybe born with it. It was something that is developed over time. But number two, if you don't keep doing stuff like that, then you have the, we all have the propensity to go back to an easier life, right? And to say like, ah, I'm not going to challenge myself. I'm just going to wake up and kind of do the bare minimum if I even really do anything today, right? But it is a muscle. It is not something that's intrinsically in people. I guess some people are naturally driven towards that. But it is something, at least in my experience, that can be learned. So if you're if you're feeling like you're not there or you don't have it, I'd say don't believe that. <laughs> you can develop it if it is something that you want, but it is also like a muscle. And if you don't use it, it it is easier to bend towards things that are easy, you know, instead of continually challenging yourself with things that are tough. Yeah. And it, it rolls over into all other areas of your life too. Like running, running changed my life. And it's because of it. Yeah. I started day one. I went for that, that run walk, but fast forward three years, like it's helped me with, with like porn addiction. It's helped me become a better father. I'm a better hunter because of it. Like I'm a better business owner, I'm a better son. I mean, all these areas, it, it rolls over and like, it challenges me to be more disciplined in my faith. And yeah, and it all started by just putting some shoes on and going for a run and then fast forward. And it's like, and and they come in like increments and you know, like maybe six months in all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I want to be better at this. And so you start doing something different and you start changing habits in other areas of your life too. And it just, it all spills over. And, And so pretty soon you're just a completely different person in every aspect of your life. And the coolest thing to it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that is probably the, one of the, I mean, there's so many cool things about getting to do what I do for work, but what you are saying, and I think a guy that we'd interviewed recently, Dave Boyce, this just, this seems to be a common theme. And for some people, you know, a, a nutrition program is the catalyst, but what they, other people it's running like you, other people it's school. Like for me, that was one of the big things that sort of drove me to develop some structure and that just bled over in every other area of my life. But the, the, the theme seems to remain the same, which is if you become structured and disciplined in one area, it's only a matter of time until you just start, start seeing a bleed over into every other. And so it's like, you're getting return on that investment of waking up early and strapping on some shoes to go for a mile run in every area of your life. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, that phrase so stupid, which is why I'm laughing, but that phrase discipline equals freedom comes to mind that Jocko is sort of made infamous at this point, but it is to some degree true. If you have some structure, some structure and some discipline, then eventually you get free, right? From a lot of things, whether that's time or 
uh, like, you know, specifically with the folks that you work with, sometimes addiction or something, you know, something different, but I love that. So let's, let's go to the death hike, All right? So rewind earlier this year. And I, I'm trying to remember the invitation part of it. Did I say something to you or was it somebody, Corey? Corey for years has been like, Hey, you need to get your fat ass on this death hike. <laughs> I'm like, I do like one of these days I will. And like I, in my back of my head, I was like, okay, one of these days I'm going to go on this hike. But every time I'd be like, dude, a hundred miles, like I can't fathom that. Or like hiking 30 miles in a day. can't fathom that. I remember you had Mark on the podcast and this is before I got into ultra running. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to just run like a 20 miler out of my house. And I was like, you're insane. Why would you run 20 miles? And so, yeah, fast forward, Corey's been bugging me for years to go. And Steve for a couple of years is like, Jack, you're welcome anytime. Whenever you want to come out, you just you just say the word and we'll get you out there. And so that's what happened. This like this year, I had a race scheduled on the day of the death hike. That race fell through, and I was like, okay, I've got time. And so I think I ran, yeah, I ran a 50k, and then we had like four weeks, and we came on the death hike, and then I had a big race like two weeks after that. So it was like a fantastic training opportunity. And in the months like leading up to the death hike, you were training, I was training. And it's it's funny for me to hear you give that recap because you like we, we talked about doing some miles together, potentially doing most of it together. And you were like, well, I think I'm going to bring my trail runners. Do you want to run the last 30 miles with the packs on? I was like, dude. Dude, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, number one, I don't know what kind of state I'm going to be in after doing the peaks. And then number two, I don't know that I'll be able to run with a pack on, but you know, I guess like, let's just see what it looks like. And then, you know, I ended up getting injured and, and doing the bailout driving and stuff. But so yeah, fast forward, you fly out to Idaho. Everybody's at the trailhead. Talk a little bit about into the, the lead up into that as you get started, sort of how that went and just your overall perspective of it. Yeah, I was very optimistic and I was like, okay, like I've been running hard, like I should be in good enough shape to do this. And then we get to the trailhead and I've never been in a place where I can look up and see 5,000 feet of mountain and then see the peak. And I was like, okay, this is going to be way more intense than I thought. And so, yeah, I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to run any of this. Cause I think base camp was what at 5,000, no, what 6,000 feet or something like that. Yeah, and I think Bora the peak was like 12 or 11 something. And so, yeah, right out of the gate, we have this huge climb and I just watched everybody take off and leave me in the dust. But that was, that was cool. So uh, me and a couple guys chickened out and we didn't make it all the way to the top of the first peak. And knowing that, and part of it was like a fear of heights, but also there's just a lot of snow. And so I was just very uneasy and I didn't, trust myself and I didn't want to walk on these like spine finger ridges with a bunch of snow that where I could slip and fall. Cause yeah, you, you slip and fall and you're going to fall 1500, 2000 feet and die. And so I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'll pass. Cause I'm getting all these weird looks from Steve and other guys like, Oh, you puss. <laughs> and knowing that they were going to break off trail for another, what they thought was eight miles and turned into like 12 to 15 and climb another peak that was even more dangerous and sketch. And I was like, yeah, if I didn't do Bora, there's no way I'm going to do the rest of this. And so me and 
three guys, well, two guys, we hiked back down to the bottom of the camp and met with you and me and Jeff were like, well, there's another trailhead over in this saddle. We can hit that, get back on trail and we'll be able to do most of the death hike still. And so that's what we did. That's what I loved the most, man, because, and I think Steve maybe even commented on this. Maybe they did. I don't remember. Maybe he didn't. But it would have been really easy to just be like, I'm done. You know, so number one, if I can't do the full thing, then I don't have any interest in doing any of it. Or number two, like, you know, I, it would be a lot easier to just hang out at camp, right? And then shuttle guys all day, potentially more more fun, whatever. But when you when you three came down, it wasn't even really a topic of discussion, right? You guys were like, can you take us over to the saddle? Because the full distance was like 53 miles. Do I remember that right? Somewhere between 50 and 53, 54 miles was like, is what it ended up being for the two guys that finished, I think. And yeah. Bora, as intimidating as it is, and it is intimidating, it's not a lot of distance. So there was still, you know, like quite a bit of mileage because the, the saddle was only yeah. what, 10 miles down the road. So you could still technically pull off 42 some odd miles. So to me, that was what stood out then. It's what stands out now is you, like there was there wasn't even a topic of discussion. You both were like, let's go to the saddle and finish this thing. So we took a rental car <laughs> and that poor rental car going up to get to that saddle. Cause like I started to take you in the truck and I was like, Nope, I'm not driving this thing up there. And so <laughs> Dione had somebody's rental car and was just giving that thing all it had drove you guys to the saddle. And so then pick up from there. It's just you. So at this point you're separated from the group. It's yeah. you and Jeff. And uh, on this trail, sort of talk about from the guys, the, the time that you guys hit the saddle until you finished and just that, that whole thing. Yeah. So we were in the Lost River Range of Idaho and it's, it's the, oh, by far, probably the most rugged mountain range in Idaho. It's definitely got the tallest peaks in Idaho. And me and Jeff were like, I had just met him the day before. He's, but he's really good friends with a bunch of my friends. And so we hit it off and yeah, we got dropped off of the saddle and we're like, okay, like at the time we thought everybody else would be at the trail and we would catch up with the rest of the crew and like finish the hike with the crew. So we climb 3000 feet up, cross over the saddle, following sheep tracks and sheep sign. Didn't see any sheep at the time, but you're just in awe. You're looking at these giant summits like leatherman peak it's like 2000 feet above us when we cross the saddle half of it's in snow we still thought they were going to climb that peak as well so we're just blown away like man these guys are animals like this is crazy but you pop over the saddle and you're looking at one of the prettiest valleys i've ever seen in my life and so you just take a second look at how beautiful it is and then i think we stopped it a little bit got some water ate some dinner and then just kept trucking but essentially yeah we hiked through the night and I think Jeff and I, we slept for about an hour and it's the first time I've ever done something like that, like hiking all night. So doing a full 24 hours, I think it took us, was it 32 or 33 hours start to finish something like that for me and Jeff, what we did. And it was wild. It was just a neat experience. Like going into the night, it started raining on us. I was, it was just miserable. We spent half our time just trying to find the trail because this mountain range doesn't get hit very hard. Like there's just nobody up there. And so when you're used to catch them or bend or Boise, it's like the trails are groomed and there's 
tons of people using them. But up here is like half the time we were on like deer or sheep trails because they were better than the actual trail. So we'd like hike out these trails, realize we were in the wrong spot. And then we drop down the shale face and catch up to the trail again. And yeah, so it was, it was an interesting, it was just an interesting, interesting experience, uh, really challenging. I just wanted to quit. I was like, dude, I just want to be done. Like this sucks. I had some pretty bad tendinopathy in my leg, my knee. And so there was at one point I was doing like a mile an hour going down, dropping elevation because it hurt so bad. And so Jeff would just take off hike and then he'd stop and he'd lay down a nap for like a half hour or just like rest his eyes. And then I'd catch up to him. Then we'd take off and do it again. And yeah, but it was an incredible experience. But I think this also, this is also a good place to enter a, a, a credit to you, which says a lot about the way that you view this and life. Like even before we popped on the podcast, we were talking about parenting and business and all sorts of stuff. And you know, different parts of the year that's goes good and other parts challenging, even if it's still good, it's challenging. And your optimism is on a whole different planet. So, and I wasn't there for this, obviously, but like I saw pictures, heard reports, etc. So on, on your end, you're like, dude, it was miserable. I want to be done. I just want to be finished. I've got this tendinopathy in my leg. Yet, Jeff talks about in a different podcast where like you were like, dude, isn't this just gorgeous? This is just so breathtaking <laughs> to the point of where like, if I remember right, quoting him, he's like, he's just thinking, first of all, he he prefaces this by saying, I just love Jack. He's, you know, got to be great friends doing that long, but I'm just wanting him to shut up and get through this hike because I don't want to take in the beauty. But then like, meanwhile, you're writing signs for the guys on, you know, in, in rocks on the trail for the guys that you think are going to be coming up next. And I, you know, I was in camp like, I think I was, if I remember right, when you came in cooking for everybody and you roll in like Mr. Rogers after doing 42 miles of misery, wet, <laughs> no sleep, tendinopathy in your leg. And like, that's that to me, though, is just indicative of the value of optimism. And I think that that's, you know, that can be a really woo woo statement, right? Oh, well, just, you know, it's all in perspective and it's, you got to remain optimistic and glass half full and blah, but there's some truth in the woo woo, right? I mean, there, there is, there's like, if you can find something good and just keep your mind focused on the great things and that the fact on November the 6th, 10, 29 AM, you'll be sitting in a heated room thinking about this and laughing about it. Like, it's awesome. I, I love that. And I think that, I mean, that's one of the many things that I look up to for, for you is like, man, I want to have the type of optimism that Jack has. I think it's, uh, I think it's remarkable. It's awesome. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. And that's a lesson that I've been really like, it's really hit home in this season of life too, is life's going to come at you no matter what. And for me, particularly, like it's faced with a lot of challenge, right? Whether it's financially, spiritually, a lot of things. So I can, I mean, you've got two choices. Like I'm going to have to go through this no matter what. The amount of suck is going to be about the same. The outcome is probably going to be the same. Say it's a season of just financial stress. It's like, okay, business is tight, bills are tight. But hey, in a year, six months, however long the time frame is, like we're going to get out of it and we'll be able to look back and and be proud of how we got through it, right? And so I've learned that I got two choices. I can either be stressed, angry, frustrated, and very irritable in this season and get through it. But 
get through it that way. Or I can choose to like, tr- as best as you can, let the stress roll off, let the pressure roll off. And like, you still have all that pressure, but choosing to have a better attitude through it. And that hike, some of these runs have helped me try and restructure my thinking as I've been in these tight seasons of life with my family, right? It's like, okay, I can either be a, an optimistic, like good, patient, calm dad, or I can be a dad that gets really irritated. And I have reasons to, because like you have all this pressure that people don't see, but a lot of people are going through at the same time, right? And so it's back to that. It's like, well, we're going to finish. We're going to hike 40 miles. So I can either enjoy it and soak it all in, or I can be grumpy and like angry that my knee hurts and mad that it's raining, bummed at myself that I didn't do the off trail portion, all these things. Right. And so, yeah, it just comes back to perspective and the outcome was the same. Like I was going to finish whether I was pissed off and angry or I was happy and tried to enjoy the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think the irony of the whole, that, that whole mentality is, although it's not natural, like I have found it's actually, it actually sucks more energy out of me to be mad and frustrated and all these than to just find something good and really kind of like adopt this mentality of like, oh, well, this isn't great. This isn't fun. This, you know, we might be feeling pressure here as a family or feeling pressure there as a family, but oh, well, there's going to be some sort of an end outcome and we will figure out how to manage that when it gets here. Like that takes less. I'm happier. Other people are happier around me because of that. Right. And it takes less energy out of me to be like that than to default to walking around. Like you were saying, frustrated, mad, whatever. I think that's great. Let's do rapid fire, which isn't as exciting as it sounds, but, um, there are five quick questions sort of based on your experience. You, there's no right or wrong. You answer them however you want. Yeah. And you've already answered some of these. The biggest, what was the point that you realized something needed to change? Yeah. Back to just having a family and wanting to, to just be a dad that could run his kids into the ground. <laughs> that so was now, it. Now that yeah. you've done the hard work, was it worth it? Oh yeah. And it like come full circle. We were living with my in-laws for a season and they have this big like island in the house. So you can run through the kitchen, through the dining, through the living, you can do these big circles. And I'd get done with my morning runs and my kid would be like, daddy, chase me in 20 minutes. I just chase them in circles. And like that, in those moments, it like hit me full circle. I'm just like, this is why I made this decision. Like I'm literally chasing my kid around and he stops and he's like, Dada, all done. Cause he's out of breath and I can just keep running. And so, yeah, those were like, that was it for me. It was pretty cool to like see that. And then this year to be hunting, like it's the most fun I've ever had in a hunting season. And it's cause I can look at a place and just go. And so, yeah. What change of all of them seemed to make the greatest difference? I think just the discipline of, of picking something and sticking with it. And consistency. so running. Yeah. Consistency. That was big. What were you most surprised by along the way? How much weight you can lose and still feel very fat. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate on that. Yeah. Oh, I still like, I'm very happy with the progress I've made, but 
this. So I weigh like 250 pounds right now. I weighed 250 pounds in high school and college as well. And it was a very different 250 because of the amount of like weightlifting I was doing and the training I was doing for athletics. Like I've got way more fat on my frame still than I did at the previous 250. Yeah. Even so you're what, 80 pounds down? Yeah, I've dropped like 80. So I yeah. still have another 20 to maybe over 30 pounds to lose to get the physique I'd like. And so, yeah, I look in the mirror sometimes. And I was like, gosh, you've lost a lot of weight, but what the heck? Like you still have huge boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I will, uh, I mean, I'll piggyback that by saying even after having had lost all the weight, right? Like I actually hit my weight base goal. You don't feel any different for a long time. Like unless you look in the mirror, you will feel like you still look like you did, you know, for me to 70, 140 pounds ago. And I think that that sometimes can be tough for people to, cause you know, the idea is that, okay, well, I'm going to do this to feel, look and whatever healthier or, you know, better health or whatever that looks like for that person. But they're surprised to know that they don't feel like that. It takes a long time for the feeling to catch up with all of the change. So I don't think that that's uncommon at all. It's a good point. Yeah. And I think to piggyback on that same question too, another big surprise for me, I think is that how much you tell yourself you're okay when you're in your unhealthy place. Cause at three 30, I could still hunt. I could still do a lot of things that I needed to do in life. And I would tell myself that that was good enough. And like, oh, it's okay to be fat because like you're still doing these things. And so as I've lost this weight, and now that I go out and do these same adventures and activities, how much better it feels now. I'm like, oh, I was just, I had the wool over my eyes. Like I, I was lying to myself back then. So that's another big surprising piece is that I think, or more just like disbelief that I let myself get to that point in life. So that's a big one that I think about often too. Biggest nutrition change you were surprised by? Two things. The biggest surprise was how much I cut out as far as just complete junk. Cause I used to eat out at like a gas station market almost every day. And I don't think I've like maybe during hunting season, I'll swing into a gas station like once or twice. And so what two times a year versus 360 days a year. So that was like a big surprise that I was able to like slowly make those changes and how easy it was. The other piece is that how much good food I get to enjoy and lose weight. Cause like my number one reason I would tell Corey, cause Corey's challenged me for a long time to like get healthy. And I'd push back all the time and for years. And my number one thing I would say is Corey, I like to eat good food. And he would be like, well, you still can. I'm like, no, cause I'll have to cut out sugar, all these things. Right. And so that was the biggest surprise is like, if you moderate it, you can eat you can eat what you want. And so it started out, I would just moderate really bad food. And then over time, I didn't want to eat that bad food. And so it slowly, that's another piece that would just change is your desire and what you wanted to put into your body. Yeah. And I think going back to your comments earlier, going 10 calories per pound, you know, there's a reference range between 10 and 13 calories per pound. Like that's even listed on our website. There's a gigantic range in there. But one thing that you and I did, and for clarity, you were never really, you were never a client. I mean, these were conversations we had just as as friends. I'd give you little things you'd ask questions on, give you a short answer, and you would run with it, which is a credit to you. 
But one thing that we were making sure of was like, well, do you at that level, do you have enough to get through your training and recovery and all that? And you were, you were, you were doing great. So awesome job. Yeah. What was the hardest part? Probably this last 20 pounds. Yeah. Cause you get so far and then I just got tired. I was like, I'm tired of losing weight. I'm going to take a break. And then parts of your old parts of my old self have come back where I feel like that fat kid again. And I'm, I've noticed that I when I, in a stressful season, I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm going to go eat this, even though it's going to put me over my calorie limit. And those are my old habits, right? I would eat for comfort. I would eat to relieve stress and things like that. And so I've been able to, and I mean, I'm a counselor, so I work with clients like this all the time, right? Like that's what I do. And so to put it back on myself, like, I guess, yeah, that's the hardest part is like not falling back into your old patterns and habits. And when I do realizing that, and then knowing that like, okay, you've come this far, just make a change. And so it's like, okay, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to do good. And then you just tell yourself you're going to do that and you do it. But so that's been the hardest part. Cause like, I feel like I've lost enough weight, but deep down I know like, no, you need to keep losing the rest of this weight. Cause like, mm-hmm you'll feel that much better. Like I know how good I feel now. I'll feel that much better once I hit my goal. So to your defense, I guess the last 20, 10, five, whatever is the most challenging part of that's physiological. Your body adapts to the lower intake. Your body adapts to a lower weight. What used to be toughest training is now a walk in the park of training. So you're always having to titrate these according to kind of what your observations are. But then second to that, this is also why we started phasing our program. So after a certain point, a person should transition into maintenance because they do hit this like oatmeal stage of where it's just boring. It's monotonous. They want out of it. And so transitioning to maintenance for a period of time and then putting your focus back in it. But like you said earlier, earlier on in the podcast, this has been spread over the course of two years. Some periods of the year, you're really focused on it. Other periods, it's not that you're unfocused, but the the intensity of the focus may be less, although you're never just not paying any attention to it. And I think that that change, that ebb and flow, those peaks and valleys of awareness are important to hit the ultimate goal. Some people hit it in, you know, like one block, one 16 week period, one 20 week period, one 28 week period. But in others, it spans over the course of a couple of years, focused block, less focused, focused block. None of, none of those are wrong. So I think that both of those points were, uh, were excellent. This is the final one. What's one tip you'd share with anybody else wanting to make a similar change? it's way easier than you think it is. And coming back to the the calorie piece, like that, that simple piece of information you shared with me, 10 to 13 calories per pound of body weight was mind blowing. I was like, that's the formula. That's it. Like people spend all this money. They do all these things, try and lose weight. They buy all these programs. They pay this trainer. They do all, all this stuff to lose weight. And all I had to do was track my calories and have a percentage that I was going to hit like the blew my mind. And so, and you do, you see all, I see so many people on social media, like they get caught up. And so they want to share their weight loss journey and they make zero progress. And it's like, they're putting in all this work, but they don't know the simplest form. And that's just your intake. Right. And so what you shared with me that like, blew my mind and it's you probably laughing because you're like dude that's the first thing i learned in freaking school (laughs) it's a piece of cake like it's common sense right but 
Well, the principle, I mean, the principle is common, but like one thing that we always say is simple doesn't mean that it's easy, right? It, it, just because something may be simple, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily easy to pull off. And like when, when, when a client onboards with us, we have a much more precision driven calculation that you can give them. But when you're like, to, when you're number one, when you're speaking to large audiences or like the piece that I mentioned that's on our website was a writing piece. So when you're speaking to broad audiences, you got to give broad categories like that. The difference there is that, yes, as you start going, when you first start, that range will probably yield some progress. And that, and as you get closer to the goal, then you got to be, you know, you got to adjust a little bit. And that can be the challenging part. But to your point, yes, it is based on and hinges on that simple idea of, my intake has to line up with my ultimate goal. And that could be loss. So for you, 10 to 13 pounds, that could be maintenance, calories per pound. That could be maintenance. And then that could also be somebody who is working on endurance or building strength. And there's different ranges for all of that. But yes, intake has to line up with the goal if you want the outcome. And so, yeah, I'm glad that you thought that that was simple because it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's the piece I'd share is like, and like you said, yeah, if, if you're wanting to get into bodybuilding, if you want to go on a backcountry hike or like hunt, if you want to get into skiing or running or cycling, whatever it is, like, don't let the intimidation stop you. Like, it, it's easier than you think. So, like, just try it and just dip your toes in the water. You've got to jump all in. Yeah, like every motivational speaker and podcast says, like, you just got to get out and do it. And yeah. so... Once you start making those changes, it's, it's, it'll change your life. And right now you might be like, forget that. But deep down, if you know that you need to make some changes, like today's the day, just do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't top that, man. If people are interested in reaching out to you, where can they find you? I've got an Instagram, like a hunting Instagram, uh, just called golden Rosie outdoors. And that's become almost more of like my photography page essentially. But yeah, just all my outdoor adventures, hunting, fishing, even a little bit of running. I'll throw some stuff up there sometimes. Yeah. And if you're looking for counseling and you're in the state of Oregon, you can uh, find me on psychology today. <laughs> there you go. Plug it. I've had a lot of help in the last 10 years with encouragement, personal trainers, like helping me out and stuff. And they've all like helped lay some of the foundation of this, this last two years of my life. But you've been a tremendous help. And truly, if it wasn't for you and your your just your generosity and sharing this knowledge, like if I was here now, which I don't think I would be, I wouldn't know how I got here besides like, oh, I'm just going to quit eating sugar. So to really have the knowledge now, like I, that's all from you. So I, I just want to thank you for all your words of wisdom and your encouragement and I mean, you spend a lot of time and energy learning these things and you need to make a living. But the fact that you still share this stuff just to help people, like, is it means a lot. So, yeah, I really appreciate what you've done to help me along the way. I appreciate that. It means a lot. And it's been my pleasure, man. It's been very fun and exciting to watch you run with it. So it's mutual for sure. I appreciate you. want to be sure to say thanks to Jack for joining me whenever we'd planned that we were trying to plan it around the holidays and took some shuffling around but I appreciate him being so flexible if you have any questions about 
nutrition that you want to send to us, you can send those to info at b2pnutrition.com and we would be more than happy to have those on here. We've got many, many more episodes planned this year. So we look forward to having you join us for those in the future. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Mm -hmm.